Well, welcome to another edition of the Forever Bristol City podcast. And it's uh, becoming uh, a bit habit forming. Three 2 0 wins at home in a row. The last one being yesterday evening. City 2, Huddersfield Town 0. And they were playoff contenders last year, remember? Joining me this morning, I'm delighted to say, are Ian. Welcome back, Neil, after holiday. And Mark, who may even have his sound back. In fact, he has got his sound back. Morning, chaps. We're all feeling pretty chipper today, aren't we? Yeah, very ch- very chipper, just like Ian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll do the usual, what we normally do uh, on this. Um, you first, Ian. Sum up the game in 30 seconds. So just, you know, a brief overview as you saw it. Another, yet another 2-0 win. Um, it's what I call a 7 out of 10 performance and a 10 out of 10 result. So everybody... Every City fan I know would have settled for a 2-0 win at 7.45 last night and we got one and we sent ourselves up the table. So no complaints about that. OK. Neil, your thoughts? Yeah, it was an entertaining performance. I don't think it was our best performance. Uh, I didn't see the Cardiff game, as you say, because I was away, but I thought we were better against Luton than we were last night. Uh, but uh, it sort of changed in that 30 seconds, didn't it? They hit the post. We were a little under the cosh at 1-0, and then we go up the other end and Semenyo scores, and that just took the game away from them. Yeah, it did. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and Mark, uh, your your thoughts uh, on, on, on the whole 90 minutes? You know, we wanted a win, and we got it, and quite rightly, Ian said, 10 out of 10 result. 7 out of 10 performance, which uh, the manager, Nigel Pearson, sort of alluded to that as well. But uh, your thoughts, Mark? Well, what summed up the game was from postman Pat to Semenyo and that. Pat Jones, Huddersfield substitute, hit the post, two passes later, it's down the other end of the pitch. Semenyo, pile driver, game over. Open game, great attacking football from both sides. City more clinical, great out of possession as they are in possession, a bit open at times, but really the club is on an upward trajectory. We've got an identity now and the fans are being entertained. And to say that is something else after yeah. two, two, three seasons of absolute dross. Things it's, are looking up. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually more than that because if you think about it, I know we did okay in 18-19, but that first half of 17-18 season, when we had that good run and the cup run as well, and, you know, all being well, we're on course for another one of those. But we actually had an identity, which thereafter, and that's five years ago now, for goodness sake, but five years ago, you know, it's just a joy to watch it. And we were open. Yeah, we nearly did some self-inflicted things last night. We'll come on to that uh, later when we discuss individual performance. But it's just great watching football of that standard. And, you know, we'll always be seen as slightly cup half empty. But for me, you know, it's just great going down there again and enjoying every moment of it. Um, Let's look at the the team. Um, Sykes was available after suspension. I'll come to you first, Ian. Um, Inevitable that Sykes was going to get that right wing back spot. I don't know what uh, Wilson and Tanner are thinking, but uh, Sykes playing at right wing back allowed Alex Scott to come in and a midfield combo of Scott and James. It was obvious he was going to do all the running there. Your thoughts on that uh, lineup and uh, those two key uh, elements of it, as I saw it? It was exactly what I predicted 
before the game, I, I had a sneaking feeling that he'd bring Matty James back in from Masengo because he seems to have a real problem with the fact that Masengo hasn't signed this contract and Han hasn't helped himself um, with some performances that are, I'll describe them as inconsistent. I mean, mm-hmm. against Corridor, he was absolutely outstanding. Against Blackpool, he wasn't. So, um, and he's not going to sign the, the, the new contract. So, it didn't, the, the, the lineup of the side didn't surprise me. The two front lads have done well enough to stay in the team. Alex Scott is far better in the middle of midfield than he is at right wing back or uh, playing as a 10. So it, it was exactly what I thought. But we had some great ammunition on the bench to come on and win the game. And, and that's not always been the case. No, no, strong bench. OK, Neil, you've not seen... I say you missed uh, a game, uh, but the side has got... It's in a set format now, isn't it? Yeah, there's maybe one or two weaknesses in there. But when I saw Scott and James in the middle, I'm pleased to see Scott back in his best position. But you do worry about James and his mobility, you know? And I don't think Scott had the best of games. I saw Nigel Pearson yelling at Scott and Tommy Conway because we weren't on it... uh, early on in the game, but to your thoughts on the lineup and those comments I've just made, Neil? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you with James. I think the ball tends to sort of slow down a little bit when it goes into him. He's a little bit more ponderous on the ball, but he probably is a safer option for uh, for Nigel Pearson in that position, really. I mean, mistakes-wise, he, he doesn't really make the mistakes and he, he makes probably better decisions but we do lose a little bit of drive and a bit of energy when the ball goes into James in the middle Mm. Um, I thought a number of the players last night looked a little bit tired and a little bit leggy so we'll have to wait and see what everyone's like on Saturday but for me Vyman in particular you know over here about three or four balls to Sykes on the right in particular where normally you'd be thinking there'd be crisper passing, crisper crisper moving. And I know he was a bit of a doubt, wasn't he, for the Blackpool game, and he, he had a bit of a knock. So I wonder around his general sort of level of fitness at the moment. But, um, yeah, I, I can see uh, what Scott brings in the middle. I certainly prefer him dropping deep and actually getting the ball. And he, he's pretty much one of the only guys in the centre who picks up a ball and is instantly on the front foot driving forward. And I think that makes a big difference in the centre rather than a a Ray Wilkins type ball in and we're looking to pass it back to the centre-backs. You know, at least we're on the front foot with uh, Scott in the middle. Yeah. Okay, Mark, um, Neil just said about Vyman, I thought he looked a bit off it last night. He wasn't his normal busy bee self. Um, And a couple of other people said Conway looked a bit, a bit tired, but you know the mid the, the the whole team. It's got a it's got a shape, isn't it? You know we're playing. You know I mean Wells and Conway have made those front two slots their own for now, haven't they? Yeah, I mean the difference this season is is the team as a whole. The shape is a, is a whole lot tighter. So what you've got you've got three cent you've got three centre backs, but the way you know where the way other teams play with either two men up front or one man, you're only going to have three defenders marking one or two. So one of those defenders, normally uh, uh, Rob Atkinson, can go can go forward. So he's running it. He he is creating an overload for the wing back 
and bringing bringing them into play and can play one twos. We don't do it so much on the right hand side, but that gives the, our opponents problems. And strangely enough, I mean that gives gives James. I mean, allude to his uh, Neil alluded to his slowness can drop back in, and uh, you know drop back in to to, to the, be that that third man. But what we do moving left to right is when Atkinson goes up the pitch, that means that Viner and Naismith can be compact up to the halfway line in a triangle with James close. So out of possession, they if if the if the opposition get the ball, we win the ball back and keep on the front foot for the next attack. We squeeze the space right down. So we made, we made it very tight between the lines. And that's why we, we tend to recycle the ball left and right and create more chances. What happened in the first half was that it was very open for the first 10 minutes. We had those chances. Then Huddersfield sat in. We had to drop off and pass. So the two, the two centre forwards are able to do that, they'll drop off, pass back to, to Alex Scott, then we can bring those those wing backs up. You've got Mark Sykes, you've got electric pace on the right hand side. Oh, he's been a revelation. To Silver not so him. much, but I think that's where Vyman was. He was a little bit off and I think he's been a little bit off. But if you can right. if you can get 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 uh, if you can win a game where probably your most potent striker doesn't he hasn't having his best game. It's 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 the team is the sum of his parts. So that's that's how you win. Yeah, and as you win, as you, win you win, always, you win and lose yeah. as, a, as a team at the end of the day, not as a group of individuals. Exactly. And as Dave Fevs would say, it's a squad. It's a match day eighteen. Yeah, now. it's not it's not uh, players in particular slots. I mean, let's get back in uh, to the action and um, very very early doors. Uh, Andy Vyman hit the hit, hit the post. Um, Turton was wide after a header from, uh, well, Turton was wide after a cross from uh, Sorba Thomas. So, you know, it was end to end, like all the matches are, are being uh, at the moment. But uh, 35 minutes, we got the breakthrough. And uh, Naki Wells, 44 goals in 140 odd games for the visitors. He was on hand to uh, score with a great header. Ian, uh, for you, the goal on 35 minutes. City deserved to be in front, didn't they, really? I would have said so. Like you said, it was an even game up to them, but it was a bit of a collector's item and a Jada Silva assist. And when you think Naki's five foot six, terrific header into the top corner. But if your crossing is accurate, as that was, and he's got good pace on it, and he's outswinging, as that was, it's far easier to flick the ball in. So, um, yeah, I mean, excellent goal. I think we deserve it. Dave, I'm getting a lot of feedback. I don't know what you're doing. No, I'm doing nothing, mate. You carry on. Just keep talking. Right. Um, that's... Yeah, the... Uh... No, still getting it. What's that whistling noise? Don't know. Don't worry about the background stuff. We've just got to live with that. I mean, Neil, let me come to you on the, on the goal. How did, you, how did you see the goal? Well, I've been... I've been critical of the production from uh, Jada Silva over the years. I don't think as a, as a wing-back, offensively, he's been particularly great. And obviously, he's shooting like we've described in previous con podcasts. But in that first half last night, he put over two or three really, really good crosses. And that cross for the goal, I mean, that was a fantastic ball, wasn't it? I mean, they're not the biggest in the middle, but to hit a five foot six, five foot seven. Guy in the way that he did with that cross, 
no. I mean, fair fair play to Jay De Silva there. I think I think the thing with um, Sykes that I saw is that he would he blew up after about thirty five minutes. Um, he was running up and down that wing, and he wasn't got to about thirty five minutes or so, and he wasn't offering the protection and getting back anywhere near as much as he should have been for Viner. So that curtailed a little bit of the uh, energy down the right-hand side. And I think there were words at half-time because certainly he was a lot more diligent second half in, and he wasn't quite so advanced and he wasn't quite so busting the gut box-to-box. He was a bit more diligent around his defensive play. Mm. I mean, on that basis, uh, Neil, do you think think it's better if, you know, he says, right, we've got five subs we're allowed and we only used four last night. Do you think you say bust a gut for an hour and then you've got Kane Wilson to bring in? Or is it saying something that Wilson's not doing enough on the training ground to convince the manager that despite him being one of our, well, you can't even call it a hallmark signing when it's a free, but he's not he's not quite ready for championship football yet? Well, it, it's an interesting thing with Wilson, isn't it? Because uh, he's coming under this fanfare um and obviously he had, he had the game that he did at Wickham that I did see in the airport flying back from Catalonia but there we go that's another story but the um I think Pearson is very much like you're either with me or you're not his usual on the bus type thing and I think mm. there's been a few comments that obviously Wilson isn't happy with not playing he, he alluded to himself in a in post-match um comments after Wickham. Now, he he has to recognise that winning team and what we unbeaten in seven now. Mm-hmm. And with Sykes coming back in, you know, I think Sykes is, is more of an all-rounder than Kane. I think Pearson, in his pre-match conference with Huddersfield, alluded to the fact that he says, you know, Tanner is more defensive, Wilson is more attacking. And I think with Sykes, he's got a bit more of a balance of both. So that's why he's going with Sykes at the moment. But uh, I'm sure Wilson will get opportunities. Um, but uh, Sykes is there on merit at the moment. Definitely. And he's given us that, given the side that shape. Mark, uh, City deserving to be in front uh, at the break, yeah? Yeah, I mean, there was a little bit more to that goal because there was a long crossfield pass and Vyman tried to head it. He tried to get on the end of it. It went past him. So he had to go back into the left channel and face away from goal, then pass it to the silver. And it was like a lovely chip, wasn't it, from the onto the onto the green, or up to the hole, basically, and a great a great finish. But yeah, City 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 deserved it. We were a little bit open. There were lots there were cross field passes, mainly going to Zorba Thomas. And of course there was that Ollie Turton miss when he headed it into the ground. So we're a little bit open there. Where the where the wing backs when they're too far up, there's lots of space behind. So I think that that's where where we got to we got to be a little bit tighter, uh, yeah. and 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 watch and watch those balls because the, I mean it happened again in in the second half and then Huddersfield brought brought their players up and played with played with a lot lot more pace. But yeah okay. yeah lots of lots of chances. Okay. Good to be one up at halftime. Okay, let me come on to uh, Ian. Start of the second half, and we've got to accept the fact that we're up against a Huddersfield team that were in the playoffs last season. They've got a new manager uh, in Danny Schofield. 
They lost some of their best players. Um, they made three substitutions on the hour. Uh, Bents had to make a good save from uh, Dwayne Holmes. Did, they've lost their last three away from home now. So Huddersfield, they're not going to be anywhere near the playoffs this season, are they, Ian? Well, we don't know, Dave. Um, you know, you could have said that about Forrest at the start of last season and, and look what they did. So things can change. I didn't think Huddersfield were a bad side. I thought the difference between the two of us was the cutting edge. Mm. We've got the cutting edge. We've got the forwards. Our, our defence still gives me the willies. I've got to be honest. Now, that might sound churlish after three clean sheets at home. Yeah. Um, but I, don't th- I think I'm right in saying we haven't kept a clean sheet away from home. So I don't think we're in a um, we're in a position where, where we do need to tighten up. But I'm I'm confident we've got five players down there who know where the back of the net is. There's absolutely no doubt about that. We don't need another striker as, as I thought we did at the start of the season. Um, but I think that um, uh, I think we still do need the players that Pearson's alluded to. But put your mics on mute, lads. No, I don't get. I won't get feedback. Right. So you you do need to. Um, uh, we do need the the players that Pearson says he wants. Uh, I don't think we're going to get them, and hopefully, our best achievement in this transfer window has been to have, to have kept hold of all our star players. And I think a lot of City fans would have settled for that at the start of the summer window. No, definitely. Absolutely. 100% there, Ian. Well, I'll come on to you. I'll stick with you, Ian. I mean, the goal, it came just after the, what proved to be the decisive goal, the clinching goal. It came just after uh, they'd hit the post and the ball was switched upfield. Atkinson, so good going forward. He's getting better every game. Goodness me. I mean, Semenyo, he turned Tom Lease, who was a defender we were linked with. I think he's the ex-Sheffield Wednesday defender. He turned inside. And that was a bullet of a shot. I mean, the net nearly came off the stanchion, didn't it, Ian? I'll come to each of you on the goal. But, you know, you great to see the goal it go in. But if you're a Premier League manager looking at that and you're thinking about it, you're thinking, well, do I wait till Jan, you know, when, you know, he's sort of six months further down the line, the price might go up. But cracking goal, Ian, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think the price will go up unless Semenyo does something absolutely extraordinary. I don't think the price will go up from what City will accept, which I, I think is a, something like a fee of 20 and add a re, um, realistic add-ons of five. OK, it might slip up a bit to 30, but if you're a Premier League side uh, and you're looking, you know, you're, you're say, somebody that aren't known for having great strikers, Brighton, for example, he'd be the sort of player you'd look at because he's different. He's too big to bully. You can't push him. Um, you, you can't push him out the way. If you knock him over, he'll probably knock you over as well. He's got thighs like my waist, and the thing with Semenya is, it's no good saying, "Well, show him onto his left foot," because he can hit the ball like a rocket with that as well. So I thought he looked yeah. a bit rusty when he came on last night. But that's you're going to, aren't you? Um, after you've been out for a while, but he's come back. He scored three goals in three games. Um, and uh, as so far, hasn't been on the losing side for City this season. No. So, no. yeah, I think all good. Uh, I think it's 
you might even see him start versus Blackburn and with with, uh, with Tommy Tommy Conway on the bench for. I think a yeah, I bit, think that because I, I said earlier on that Pearson was yelling; he was going ballistic in the first half at the lack of. Well, he was yelling, and other people have said this. I think on one of the forum uh, threads that Conway and. Uh, uh, and and Scott were getting his wrath from the touchline. Uh, Neil, that was a. I mean, he's a beast, isn't he, Semenya? I mean, my partner Mel, she's a physio, and the comment she made about him, he's got balance. Yeah, which was when he bends over and he goes past players at pace, as Ian said, he can't be bullied off the ball, but he's got everything. And yes, he's still a bit raw, but that finish—that's got to be one of the best goals we've seen down here for uh, a, a while. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with Ian. He looked a little bit rusty when when he came on. He's a bit leggy and reminds me of the Semenyo from about three years ago. He couldn't trap, you know, a bag <laughs> between his feet at times. You know, the ball was bouncing off him left, right and centre. But he's got that differential about him, hasn't he? That really mm. other players in the team, when any given team in a championship, the championship such a fine margins, isn't it? Generally, it's like one goal between most teams. And what you're looking for is a player that gives you that differential, as I say, gives you that something a little mm-hmm. bit extra, something a little bit different. And that's what you get with Semenyo. You know, at the end of last season, I went up to Huddersfield away to the John Smith and they... We we were on a decent run. It was at the end of the last season. We played really well. And Huddersfield was superb. Absolutely superb. But then I had a look last night at the players that Huddersfield has lost out of that starting lineup. And, you know, they've lost both their wing backs, Toffolo and Pippa. They've lost both the centre backs, Naby Sarr and uh, Levi Colville. They lost Sinani up front. They've lost Etting in the centre midfield. Um O'Brien was was out injured, but they've lost him as well. Um, So they're still playing to a system. But on that day up at John Smith Stadium, they outrun us and they outfought us. And last night, we outran them and we outfought them. And that was the difference between two teams playing exactly the same systems. Um, But I I struggled. (laughs) I, I think most clubs would struggle uh, to deal with the amount of departures that they've had. I don't see them being a Barnsley this year. I think they've got a little bit, you know, a playoff team that drops off into the bottom three. I think they've got a little bit more to them than that. But um, they have one of those games where it didn't look like they were going to score if they'd been out there for another two hours, really, did they? No, that's true. Well, they did have chances, but they were sort of... <laughs> Cal Naismith was trying to uh, set them up. We'll talk about yeah. Cal yeah. In, in a moment. But, but Mark, uh, the goal, from from your perspective, the decisive goal, somebody's put that's the best strike we've seen down here. Um, Tin Man Photography said, best finish he's seen down there since that power driver that Jet put in versus a gas. And I'm just trying to think something similar because it was shown, I saw it on some feed the other day, the shot that, mm-hmm. um, um, who is it, Lee Trundle put in in the playoff semi-final against uh, Palace, you know, where he sort of, whacked it in from outside but uh you know you you almost didn't want Semenyo to score that goal you know anybody but Semenyo to score a goal of that quality because you know it's going to catch people's eye isn't it well it, it, and and the great thing about football very fine margins 
So Pat Jones takes, you know, it's, it, it, they they move the ball left left to right. The ball goes goes from left. Sorba Thomas again plays him in, flicks it past Bentley. It's bouncing towards the goal, hits the base of the post. Then Atkinson plays a one-two with uh, with De Silva, left channel just outside our area, and he plays a great pull. You would say, oh, clearance. It's not. It's a very nice nice long ball. But he just takes that pass, Lee's, and he's just so comfortable. And he has to generate all the power himself. Yeah. He's just, he looks casual because he's so confident. And I think, go back to the start last season, he was out for a few games, similar to this season, mm. had, had an injury. And when he came back, what's improved significantly is his technique. He, he hits the target more often than not. He used to sky it or hit it wide. He'd have five or six chances a game. He'd, he'd shoot from anywhere. But now his technique's so much better. I mean, you go back to those two goals at Fulham, which were outstanding under pressure. One yeah. with a long run from halfway line, where he had to he outpaced the central defender. I think it was Tim Ream, and hit the ball low, arrowed it into the corner. And the first one where he beat the centre back on his outside and just hit the ball near post with that type of power again. He's got great technique and he can power pass players. And with him in the side, if we can tighten up a bit in defence, we could be top half. We could be right up there. Well, we, we are. Could be, we are we could be half. right up there. We are top. It's we are that. Top that's half. A, that's that's a pop. That's the possibility. It's just yeah. so. It, it's just so exciting. But yeah, one of the best goals. Yeah. For for years, well, see. somebody Mills just has put on here, finish. and I've got to agree with him. Like sit it, bang, bang, and the game was gone. Yes, no, that's absolutely. Mark, you you should get a job as a sub editor somewhere. Um, Mills has said Joe Bryan versus uh, Man United. I mean that that opening goal was uh, was some strike in uh, that game. And it's just to see Joe's gone to play for Nice in France. I didn't think it was a good move him coming back here, and not least because of. Uh, uh, of, of of the money, but I think that's a big uh, credit in Joe's cap that he's going to try his chance in uh, uh, the the French. Uh, I guess they're in the top French league. Is that and, where? Uh, um, is that the team that um, Casper Schmeichel plays for? Don't know. Is he just? Is uh, he just gone to, to Nice? I don't know. Yes, what it, know. Um, yes he there, we, there we go. There we go. All right. I mean, let's look at. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, individuals, and I come to you first, Ian, on this. I mean, Bent's Oh. Sorry, just to backtrack, Mark, you were saying about Semenyo's accuracy. I mean, just before the end, their goalkeeper had to get down at his near post to keep one out because Semenyo managed to get his shot away. And if that had gone in, that would have been even better. But back to individual performances. I mean, Bentz didn't have that much to do, really. They only had four shots on target against our seven, both sides, 12 shots each. Only, um, only, 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 he had to say... <laughs> He, he had to he had to make a save from from the 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 uh, the, the, uh, the in game in the in game Naismith suicide pass. We we oh, seem to have a Naismith well, suicide I, pass. I'm talk about individual performances, <laughs> um, Ian. If we look at the back, if we look at the, the central back three, Atkinson, you know he's 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 looking uh, he's looking solid. But Zach, the guy sat next. I mean, I'm a moaner, but the guy sat next to me. He was going, "Get him off! Get him off!" That three mistakes in ten minutes. But you know, Cal Naismith, he, he looks the part. But my God, you know, some of those crossfield passes. I blame him. You know, Zach was the patsy for the equalising goal up at uh, Bloomfield Road at the weekend. But those two, Naismith and and Viner, your thoughts on their performance? Not only last night. 
but in general, Ian? Well, I think they've both got they've both got ricks in them, and I think Naismith has probably got more ricks in him than anybody else. He he's, he did it last night, a crossfield pass to Zach Viner, exactly the same way, uh, not Zach Viner, uh, Rob Atkinson, exactly mm. the same way as he did it, to, as he dropped Viner in it up at Blackpool, and he's got to stop doing it. And and people say, well, it's inevitable if you play out for them. That's, that sort of thing isn't inevitable, mm. okay? Where Rob Atkinson's improved is when he takes the brings the ball out of defence now, moves forward, makes a run, he finds one of our players. Last season, and and he was coming out, bringing the ball out and losing it and getting mm. turned over and off the other side, go on attack. So I think it's it's very important. I, I, I've got half a feeling in my mind that they say never change a winning team, but I've got half a feeling in my mind that when... Callas and Closer are fit, I wouldn't mind seeing Naismith push forward into a defensive midfielder where if he does make a rick, someone's not straight in on goal. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Scotty did it last night as well with that ridiculous back pass to Bentley when there was no need. And too many of our players, for me, are too happy at going backwards and sideways. So if we're going to improve as a team or maintain our form... Uh, then these are the things we need to improve on. And you're better off picking it up after a win because people are always more ready to listen after a win. You say, well, okay, Scotty, you took that ball, you're in an attacking position, you turn around, you had your back to goal and you tried to slide it back to Bentley. Now, if Bentley hadn't have been right on his game and if, if he'd have got to that ball half a yard later, he'd have got a red card. Well, and that would have been like when uh, Frankie Fielding got sent off against Wolves, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it would. And, and the point is, it, it was unnecessary. I'd rather, he, if he couldn't do anything, just kick the thing out for a throw-in. You know, it, it, it's, it's that, I don't know, it's that overplaying thing that, that I'd, I'd like to see us play, but I think there's a thin line between that and sometimes overplaying, as we did at Blackpool, and that lost us two points. It's as yeah. simple as that. It's no good. Yeah. But, and our defending at Blackpool was Parks. I'll say oh, it again. God, yeah. You know, you can't you cannot defend like that, which is another reason. I think if if you had a back three that included Callas, Close and Atkinson, that sort of thing wouldn't happen as much. But then you push you're saying there to push Naismith in the middle. So yeah. then that's Naismith, that means displacing James, because you're not gonna have a midfield of Naismith and James. And and when we had for the last twenty minutes, Williams uh was on, you know, I mean Williams to me is proving a big disappointment. Let me move on to um, to Neil. Neil, um, I've I've done a bit of it's, it's not really callous bashing, yeah. But if you take the period, if you take the last ten games of last season where Callum, sorry, where Callas wasn't playing, and the first seven games of this season when he's not been playing, right? We're still making the defensive mistakes, but he's not the miss that some people thought he would be, you know, and there's no sign of him coming back. It looks like, you know, will he be back before the World Cup break? Who knows? But, you know, what do you think of Ian's comments about, you know, pushing Naismith into the middle when closer comes back? You know, is Zach the person who goes? 
Anyway, I, should we be looking, never mind the fact we're being linked with two forwards on the last day of the transfer deadline, Lang, Callum Lang and Callum Robinson. We need somebody at the back and somebody in the middle. Those are the two areas that need strengthening. So, first of all, um, the Zach Naismith conundrum and Callas coming back, does he walk straight back into the side even when he's ever fit? Well, I don't think anybody's under any illusions that Viner is in a team out of necessity rather than actual, mm. you know, performances. I think they would. I think both Closer and um, Callas would probably be ahead of him if there wasn't injuries or, in Closer's case, just a little bit of um, early pre-season niggles that that he's had, and obviously now he's got this knee injury. Um, that they're, that they're managing, and they had Tanner there, didn't they, against Wickham? I think I'm right, and mm. they as a, as a right centre back, which isn't ideal either. So, Viner's in the team out of necessity, and every time Pearson is asked, he says, "I need a centre back." <laughs> and if you're a centre back, it's like if you were Viner, you'd be thinking, "Right, okay, well, you know, I know I'm I'm here out of necessity more than anything else." For me, Naismith, I watched. The times I've watched him, he looks like a player that's been converted to centre-back. Mm. He's he's obviously a talented player with the ball at his feet. But I put something on this on the forums this morning, actually, where I just said, you know, when you're a centre-back, I, I, I was centre-back back in the day, but you play that position for 10 years. And in a lot of ways, it uses up so much mental energy. You know, you've got to be focused the entire time. One little mistake, one switch off, that could be the game. So it's a very different position. If you take a centre midfielder and put him at centre back, or you take a winger, put him at centre back, they could perhaps do the job. But have they got the mental energy, the mental focus, or whatever? And what you see with Atkinson, some um, not Atkinson because he's been superb, but Naismith sometimes is just a switching off. Um, a lack of attention, a lack of focus. Now, I remember when we signed him from Luton, they said, a number of their fans said, fantastic player, but he's got a mistake in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it's, with him, it's like a risk-reward situation because so much of our play now is around him. You know, the ball's going into him, him stepping out, him driving forward. You yeah. take him out from centre-back and have we got another centre-back? Well, right now we haven't. Him. Right now we haven't, Neil. That's I, the thing. I, I think if he if he gets injured, he is perhaps the one player in the team that we haven't got cover for mm. in that centre. In the way that he plays and the way that he's important. But isn't that why team. Sol Bamba's sort of uh, lurking around the place? Plays he's he's never going to bring the ball out though, Dave, is he? Not in the same way. Some people said that he... I'm sure I read somewhere that some people said he can play that. Sort of role. I didn't believe that when I read but it, which is why. Don't I forget, don't forget that Naismith is taking a load of our set pieces. Yeah, you know, and our, he our doesn't need to and... because if you've got Naismith there, James is supposed to be a good dead ball player, and no. Scott. You know, no. it's not. Um, yeah, I've, not... I've, I've noticed a difference with Naismith this this season. I mean, the way he's whipping the ball in. Yeah, absolutely. The way he's I, in. I, I yeah, disagree with, with James and Scott on set pieces. Some of their set pieces are. And Scott more than James, I've got to say it. Sorry to criticise the, the kid. I know this is a bit like saying God doesn't exist for City fans, but it, it, some of his set pieces are woeful. Yeah. Um, Mark, let me give you a sound here. Now, Jeff65 has said on here, Wikipedia, 
shows callous at 98 appearances for City. Is the reason he's not playing? If he passes an appearance number, Chelsea get some add-ons. I don't know if there's any uh, truth in that, Mark. But um, you know, it's we we do need that extra central defender, don't we? Whilst Callas, yeah, I, I, there's 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 no conspiracy theories. He's just had he's just had a succession succession of injuries. He's just been unfortunate. Unfor- you know, yeah, uh, I think he was on international duty one or two years ago, and the club told him not to. Not to train, and he ended up training and, and and getting another injury before he before he came back to us. Yeah. So uh, yeah, last couple of seasons just been a litany of injuries. So yeah, we do we do need cover there. Whether it's you know we got a first ball centre back the likes of Sol Bamba or somebody a bit mobile. I mean, going back to Cal, Cal Naismith, he is somebody who can bring the ball out. He can certainly pass the ball. Is his uh, set pieces are mostly on the money, mm. especially. I mean, especially compared to Scott and James, a rider played a ball too short, infuriating. I'd have hit the ball over over the, uh, the, the over the six yard box, or or it gets mm. caught, gets cleared at the near post. It doesn't even get off the ground. Infuriating. Yeah. Some of the so many crosses. Yeah. So Naismith's a breath of fresh air like that, but it's his, it's it's some of his play. Um, you know that lack of concentration when he plays those silly crossfield balls when he's under no pressure. Yeah, that, that's a daft thing. Okay, Mark, um, I'll stick with you on this. Um, Wilson and Tanner, both right-sided, and one an out-and-out right wing back, the other one played at right of centre, but they're both right-sided. Nigel Pearson talked about players having their nose put out of joint and stuff like that, and that could have been Wilson, but Cam Pring. I think he's worthy of a place in the match day 18 because he can play in a number of different positions, yeah? And he's on that left side, yeah? Um, And, you know, do do you agree with me that Wilson or Tanner, not both, and Pring is the 18th man, or is he on the so-called naughty step for whatever reason? Well, I I don't think... I don't think that Pearson trusts him to put him in the in the eighteen, which is a shame because you think you need two players for every position, especially a wing back role, which mm. saps your energy. I mean, I read, I think I read a couple of days ago that there's a possibility that Kane Wilson could play there. You don't really want a right sided, right footed player, primary right footed player playing on the left unless you unless you're desperate. But if De Silva gets injured, who who does he play there? He's not going to change the formation. It's going to be three four, one two. We we you know we're very comfortable in that formation now. Very in that in that shape, and uh, I mean going back to you know going back to to playing De Silva and uh, and Sykes is that they give you more attacking options. That's why they're they're playing. I mean if you if you look at using uh, Atkinson as an auxiliary midfield player. You're looking at eight eight attacking players, then, aren't you? Or 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 seven mm. if James drops back. That's it. The idea is to be on the front foot. It's a bit risky, but that's what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Ian, um, referee Darren Bond, referee with the hairband, not seen. I think he was fourth official at Ashton Gate not so long ago, but no yellow cards last night, and yet again we saw a game flowing and by accident rather than anything else, I was speaking with uh, Joe Royal, uh, our 
box player, obviously Everton, Man City, etc., etc. And I took the opportunity to ask him about referees, and he said they're letting it go more. He's not a fan of the the wrestling that seems to go on in the box. And I noticed somebody pulling Jay De Silva's shirt, which was clearly visible, but Jay was still managing to get away when that was happening. Good performance from the referee, and we've said it already. It, it, it's They seem to be adopting a better approach to letting the game flow, Ian. Well, when they get it right, it's a better approach. When they get it wrong, it looks awful. Uh, the key thing last night was he only gave nine free kicks all night in the entire game. No yellows, no reds, and he let the game flow, and it was a better game for it. But you've, there, you've got to have balance in that. If someone's shoving somebody in the back or has got them in a bear hug in the penalty area, it's a penalty. Mm. Simple as that. Now, I'm not, and I'm talking about a shove, not not a little nudge, because that goes on every time a player backed into a player or uh, anything like that. So I think that um, I, I, I thought I was particularly impressed with his with his referee in last night. There were, it, I don't think it was a difficult game to referee uh, because I thought both sides went for it, um, and 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 that always makes for a good game. It was a bit like a basketball game at times, wasn't it? You know, you attack, we attack. Yeah. The interesting thing for me is the way they played the ball forward on a lot of occasions. They bypass midfield and yes, ping, it, ping it over the top for very quick forwards. And I, I think that's something we could adopt, particularly with Semenya. Now, it has to be a cushing ping, not a bloody yeah. great lump um, over the top. But you do that and you get uh, central defenders trying to recover on the turn and it yeah. puts over immediate, immediate pressure and then everybody's running back towards our goal to defend. So, uh, like I said, I think the difference between most teams in this division is in both penalty areas. And where it'd be the team that's best in both penalty areas, it finishes in the top two. Yeah, or even top six for for that matter. It's interesting you say about long balls ping forward and running. I had to laugh when uh, Chris Martin uh, was on. And that's a good time to bring him on with like 10, 15 minutes to go. But there's one ball played down towards a corner flag and uh, you know, <laughs> he was never going to get there, but it was like watching an well, express over, train. Yeah, but let's, let's be honest, Dave, it was over it like mad. I know. Like a lot of the balls. And I, I agree with, with something somebody said earlier on. I've written it down as, as a comment. I thought Vyman had a poor game last night. He had a yeah. touch, touch like an elephant. Um, and in, in the first half, can we put, if you're going to move your cutlery around, could you put your mic on mute? Um, I think in the first in the first half he overhit three or four passes, as Neil said, and I think that's the main that's the main thing. It is, you know, Andy Vyman's due a poor game. In fact, he's probably due a couple of poor games because he's been, without doubt, he was our best player last season by a mile. So you know, I don't mind that, but I would say that if he is carrying a knock, we're at the point in the season now where we have got cover and we shouldn't risk him. And yeah. perhaps if you go away to Blackburn, that might be a game where you say to Andy, well, look, you go on the bench for this one. If we don't need to put you on, we won't. Um, and you, you, because you don't need to play with a 10, you can play with an extra midfield player if you want to do that and, and make yourself a bit tighter away from home. Yeah, so we have got, We've got a small squad, but we have got options. And like you say, if he's not going to utilise people like Pring and Wilson in Tanner... You're you're doing your you're doing them and you're doing the club a disservice because yeah. you've got. I mean, how we finished up with Andy Boyman playing right wing back against Blackpool, 
I've got no idea at all. No. All right, Neil, um, Ian's alluded to that. I mean, we've had an intense period of uh, nine matches in 31 days, and now we've got four matches in 30 days, yeah, um, because there's an international uh, break. Uh, but they're four very tough matches. And I know I heard Ian on Radio Bristol last night saying, let's review it at the end of September, which, you know, is where we've played 11 uh, games by then. But those four matches, Blackburn away, where we won last season, Preston at home, our bogey side, and then Norwich and Burnley away. I mean, if we came out of that, anything more than four points would be, I think, a good achievement. I think even four points would be a good achievement. And that would uh, put us on uh, 15 points with more or less a quarter of the season gone and extrapolate it forward. It's 64 points, something like that. I mean, are you viewing the next four games with trepidation, but at least they don't come so thick and fast and there is a two-week recovery before the uh, after the Burnley game, before the next uh, the next home game? Neil? It was a question to me, but sorry, you yeah. broke up a little bit on my phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, wasn't Blackburn last year that wonderful Joe Williams assist? It was, <laughs> where Bradley Dack missed a penalty. That was a day I saw. That was a day I went to see Man United play... Uh, uh, Tottenham and uh, Ronaldo scored that. <laughs> well, he had a massive swipe at the ball and he inadvertently put it up for Vyman, didn't he? That's made it. me laugh. Still makes yeah. me laugh thinking about that. Um, look, I, I think at the moment, no team is going to like playing against us. Really. I mean, the way that we play, the pressure we put on. I'd love to see our stats uh, with regards to the amount of yardage we cover on the pitch now because... Like like we were saying earlier about Huddersfield last year when they outrun us and they outfought us. I, most teams this year, we with our wing-back systems and with those front three, without Chris Martin in the team, to be fair to him, he's not a runner, is he? No. Um, I think our yardage and the way that we play, we're, we're difficult to play against, but then they also know that defensively we're, we're a little bit, you know, a bit loose and that we could be put under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you know the championship is a very, very hard division, and mm-hmm. and f- the top four at the moment just demonstrate the nonsense that is the parachute payments situation yeah. in it, and the fact that you know the disparity, the financial disparity, and it's a horrible division. Yeah, it's a massive but issue. Massive it's, issue. It's a massive issue. I mean, how how they can turn around and say Bristol City can afford uh, can only afford to lose. 39 million over three seasons, and yet Norwich coming down or, or whatever, first season, here's 45 million. You know, it's just, it's just, no, not, it's inequality, but again, it's, it's inequality. But so, we, so we, they've, not, they've not sorted out FFP yet, and they haven't sorted out what the new regulations are going to be. No, no, so it's more, it's more, it's more FFS where we're concerned. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, um, it's, what's interesting is it popped up on Twitter, didn't it, earlier on that it was um, it was a couple of weeks ago, seven years ago, where we bid nine million for Andre Gray. That's right. Yeah. You know, back then nine million on a player or whatever. How the times have changed. Um, let's see where we are. I, I completely, utterly understand Ian's point, and I agree with it. You know, where we are as a club, we 
we're doing better than last year. We're playing to a system. All the players seem invested in that system. We look more like we've got the players to play that system. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I read somewhere the two. It's the first time that we've won three consecutive home games without conceding a goal 2010. since 2010. Yeah, 12 years. Jesus. But the um, there are a lot of positives to the season, but I don't think we're under any illusion, or I think most people are under any illusion, that, mm. you know, it's so tight there, isn't it? Last night there was about eight... Isn't there about one point between us and 14th or something daft like that? It is. No, you're absolutely right. Um, so uh, the difference between 7th to 14th is one point. So you could quite easily, like you say, Dave, get those four points from those games and find yourself in 15th. And, yeah, then, you could, and then you can turn around and say, you know, is that good? Is that bad? Is that more reflective of where we are as a club? I think as long as there's progress this season... I'd love to be top half and anything else is a bonus. No, I'd agree. Mark, those next four games coming up uh, against Blackburn, Preston, a bogey side, Norwich and Burnley away. Um, hmm, I've said four points in the next four going into the international break. Anything more than that is a bonus. And that means winning one and uh, drawing one and losing two and it's obvious which two you're really hoping for a draw at Blackburn beat Preston and then anything from Norwich and Burnley is a is a bonus would you agree with that yeah I mean it it's very interesting with Blackburn won their first three games including a home win against West Brom lost their next lost uh their their next three including the one nil defeat last Saturday to Stoke and they only had 28% 28% possession Mm. Uh, with Alex Neal sitting in the stand, so it, it can be done. Preston haven't conceded a goal in seven games. They've, they've scored two, so they've drawn five and, and, and won two, which is absolutely crazy. And our games against Preston are always very tight. Norwich have won four games in a row now, and Burnley are really finding their feet. But they've changed, completely changed their style of play in the Vincent Company. They're playing more possession-based football. Their fans must be confused as hell. Because uh, you know, normally they wear neck braces because the ball spent so long in the air. They, you know, they had rickets, but um, they're playing more exciting brand of football now. And Josh Brownhill scored four and, and has got an assist. But there's a possibility maybe that somebody could come in for him and uh, give us a nice, give us a nice twenty percent sell on uh, of the uh, of the eight. I think it's around eight million uh, sell that we made on him in. Uh, in twenty in in early twenty twenty, before Naki Wells came the other way separately. So, yeah, four very tough games. Mm. Um, it's, yeah, if we can get, I mean, if we could get six points from those from those four games, it'd be great. But City are playing comfortably in their own skin. They're working very hard off the ball. They we're creating chances. I think we we lack depth in central midfield. You've got to worry about the fitness of Joe Williams. Over just a game, I mean, he was he was completely gone after sixty minutes. Um, a Blackpool on Saturday and got his customary yellow card because the player got a goal side of him and he pulled him back. 
there you go. Thanks, Joe. You might as well put, well, like Ian said, you might as well give it to him before the game. It, it made life a bit easier, him and, and Alex Scott. So we need another sort of defensive, a defensive central midfielder. But, you know, that's a pipe dream unless somebody goes out or we get given some money by maybe a fairy godmother out there or, or will grant us free wishes. And the same in, 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 in the, the centre-back position, unless there's a free agent um, anything creative is unlikely. You've got Sol Bamba, who, who would probably be paid peanuts, a peanut wage for being defensive cover. But yeah. what we have got is a very tight unit, like Neil said, very invested in the vision of the management. And going back to what Neil said about last year's game against Huddersfield, if you think about it, Neil, we were playing like they did, bringing the back three up, squeezing the space, so that uh, you know that when 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 those when those centre backs come up the pitch, they're able to they're able to create those overloads and run in behind. We couldn't do that last season. You know, yeah. defence, attack, midfield were all completely isolated. There was no shape. Occasionally, we did it, but we're just consistently doing that, and that's the diff- That's the difference. Yeah, uh, and it's it's great to watch. We're being entertained. Oh, no, we are. That's know. it. That's, Football's that's an entertainment things. business. But you wouldn't have believed it watching it the no. last few years, would you? No. Okay. Well, look, we're recording this with the transfer window closing hours away, and everybody's hoping that I don't think anything is going to happen. But uh, Ian, there, there was one incoming at Ashton Gate that I read yesterday and I'm sure you did as well and that's a return to uh, Ashton Gate as a specialist goalkeeper coach in Dean Gherkin did you see that that he's come back to help out on goalkeeper coaching yeah I did he's come back to coach in the academy so academy not first team no and you've got um, also you've got uh, Mickey Bell is an academy coach um, so there, there's an old uh, Bristol City uh, I, I won't say alumni, but I don't think Dean Gherkin fits in that mould. But he played 60 games for us, so he's come yeah. back apparently. He's also renowned for getting his uh, todger out on College Green, if I recall. Going back a few years. No, David, that's just a cock and bull story. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, All right. I, I, well, you know, that's not really necessary, but yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's another coach coming down there. They seem to need. Uh, a lot of these coaches, but if we go on developing the young players that we've got, and we have got two particularly young goalkeepers, we've got the young French lad, and um, who may or may not be involved in some of his sessions, and you've got Harvey Wells Richards. But I thought Pat Mountain was a goalkeeping coach for all of them, so I don't know. I one, minute, one, coach, one minute, but... well, one minute the club, um, the club saying. Uh, we haven't got any money, we haven't got this. In the next minute, they go and hire another coach. I know. So I, I just find, find that a little bit hard to understand, but hey, yeah. you know. Okay, Ian, I don't, I don't think there's going to be any last minute anything. Would you agree with that? That seems to be the general consensus. I, I don't think so. Uh, if I had to, you know, bet my house one way or the other, I mean, something can always happen at the last minute because mm. another deal, you know, for example, Mark alluded to Brownhill moving. It's important to remember that we only get 20% of the profit. So uh, if we, we sold him for eight, and let's keep it simple, and said he, say he moved for 18, which isn't out of the way, um, then we get about two million quid. But you don't know how the deal's structured and when you get paid your cut. Yeah. Because important, very important to remember that, that transfers aren't cash. 
And sometimes you've got payments over six, seven years. Yeah. Um, I mean, for example, Chelsea have signed Wesley Fofana for 75 million on a seven year contract. Now, would, does that mean they'll be paying Leicester 10 million a year for seven years or seven and a half years? Or does it mean that they've got, they put 20 million down up front and the rest is coming in in installments? You, you don't really we don't know. know. We don't um, know. And, and years ago, it used to be 50% down and 50% over 12 months. But that went out the window a long time ago. So yeah. when you're about side spending 70, 80 million, they aren't writing a check for that kind of money. No. So, and that's very important, very important to remember in terms of financial fair play. But let, let's hope when the EFL and UEFA finally do make their mind up about what they're doing about parachute payments, how much a side's allowed to lose, will equity be seen as cash? So, in other words, Steve Lansdowne, if he writes off another 20 million quid worth of debt, is that seen as a 20 million pounds cash injection? Or yeah. is it is it got to be cash, cash? Yeah, so have, no, I know to, what you're saying. It, it, you know, we don't know. We know no one knows. And we're None all trying to know. We're, we're just not close enough to it. We're just not close enough to it. Well, Neil. Gould, well, hang on, Dave. Richard Gould doesn't know. None of the people in football know because they haven't decided what it is yeah, yet. Yeah, because if, if, if it doesn't happen, what they're saying is breaking FFP regulations is inevitable, even though we, we would be trying to reduce that debt like you said, with equity, we'd be making every move to do that because Steve Steve can do that because the club, I mean, it, yeah, it's been managed poorly in previous years. It's trying to live, be on a more sustainable footing now. We'd be making every effort to manage our finances properly with a small squad. Why should we be punished with, I mean, and the regulations are just crazy. And like you said, it's make it up as you go along, isn't it? It's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, Neil, uh, just looking at the thread on uh, OTIB while we're talking, and obviously there's one going there oh, on um, uh, the Semenyo thing. And uh, Pongo88, he said, remember Dave Cottrell? He had a great game on TV one night. Mm. He was sold to Wigan, then a Premier League club the following day. I think that was a match when uh, Lewis Carey and uh, Bradley Orr came to blows, even though we won it. Yeah, tonight, Northampton away. It was it uh, anyway. Yeah. Tonight's match wasn't on TV, but lots of people seen Semenyo's goal. Mm, he ain't gonna go. It's it's gonna be January, and by which time we could be challenging for the top. Um, it, it's, <laughs> do you think in January, if we are in the playoff places, yeah, and he's six further months into his contract, that has to be the prime time to sell him in January. Or do we hope that if we're challenging for the playoffs, we go all the way? But then you get to the summer, and then he has only got a year left on his contract. So, a couple of questions, quick ones for you, Neil, just to wrap up with you. Um, he isn't going to go now, but should he go in Jan, or would we hang on to him if we're in the playoffs? Well, we've got some big questions in January, full stop, though, haven't we? Look at all the yeah. players that are out of contract next summer. I mean, if Badgett gets fit, you can get an offer for Bentley. Do you sell Bentley? Similarly, Jada Silva. Similarly, Naki Wells. I mean, we haven't actually re-signed anybody who's out of contract next summer, have we? No. One of the podcasts we did earlier on in the summer, I think it was with Chris Honor, Dave, when we spoke about, you know, one of the key things for the club moving forward is re-signing players that we want to keep. We haven't re-signed anyone. No. 
not one player that's out of contract next year. So what what you've got huge decisions in January um around players like Callas, Bentley, Jay De Silva. Well, like Chris Martin as well, for that matter, because you put... Well, he's out of contract, isn't he? He's out of contract. You put on OTIB today that maybe the reason why we've recalled Palmer Holden, there was a suggestion that Martin's partner's just had another child and would he want a club closer to the Midlands? Now, that has been shot down because he'd never leave because uh, Pearson would want to keep him. But next summer, he is a free agent. And oh, he, he, can, he goes He goes next summer, doesn't he? he that's he's what I'm saying. He can make that move next summer as a free agent. And even if Nigel did want to keep him, he's unlikely to offer a further contract to a guy who is going to be 35 next year. Yeah, but uh, He's got no the... resale value and neither, neither is Naki Wells. But you no. think, you'd hope that Naki Wells, based on his performances to date, obviously we've got to see more, that he would get offered perhaps a, a, an, an, addition, an additional year. Whether that includes, uh, it would probably inc- it probably be a wage cut because he's probably yeah. on one of the best best wages wages there at the moment with with Callas. But at the moment, he's proven his worth because he looked like his his city career was behind him. He's come in, he's he's worked at his game, and last night I think he was fantastic. Yeah, and it was interesting. I don't know if any of you guys saw the interview with him, but he came across. I thought he came across really well, you know. And he always looks like yeah, he's not happy, but. That's just how he is. I thought he gave a very good post-match interview and admitted, he said, you know, he, well, you've just said, Mark, he worked on his game uh, and what have you. And we're seeing a bit more of the true Naki Wells, but maybe it's partly because it's but all he's, about he's been he, He's been asked, Dave, to play a role that isn't really his way of doing it. I mean, with his back to goal last night, he lost the ball a number of times in that first half, didn't he? But the mm-hmm. thing is with him that I actually quite enjoyed watching him is he didn't give up. He didn't get his head down and actually his closing and his press was a hell of a lot better than it has been over the last few years. Yeah. In the past, he just used to let centre-backs or, or whoever stroll past him. But his press from the front as part of that front, uh, three, is uh, immeasurably improved. And, you know, um, he does run the channels. Yeah. And he's okay. running one, the channels there, a lot more and one... he's stretching, he's stretching yeah. you know, other teams. There was one ball in the second half from the left and a defender, central defender's in his back. who's about a foot taller. He put his body on the way, brings the ball down. Could easily have lost the ball, backing into the penalty area. Is able to play Sykes in. The ball goes into the box and, and Semenyo's challenging for it and it's just over the bar. Mm. That's what he can. That's what he's done. I think, Mac, he's, he's happier. He's he's more comfortable. He's got another he's got another guy in Conway who's like his like he's a the source for his apprentice, if you like. Yeah. You can both they can both do, do a lot of running. We can play intelligent balls to both of them behind defenders down the side. They're both both prepared to run down the side to make things happen. They're both prepared to drop deep and there is support. Whereas there wasn't, you know, there there wasn't anybody to pass to last season. They get isolated a lot. That's the difference because we're playing as a as a as a unit, and okay. uh, you know we're very tight in, and we play we play a lot more football than our opponents have. We've well, our possession stats have shot up. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we we Ian used to say, didn't you, Ian? If City had the more the more possession City had, the, the worse they get. Yeah. Anyway, guys, look, it's uh, time to get back and do some uh, proper uh, proper work. Um, we'll be back on Saturday. We'll Dave, can I just can I just say Go a couple on. of things? Go on, yeah. <laughs> it, 
because I am for about half hour. Um, yeah, the, well, that um, makes a change. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, in terms of people out of contract, we got fifth. If you include Nathan Baker, who's obviously left the club, retired, we got fifteen players out of contract next season. Of those fifteen players, I'm only a hundred percent convinced we want to keep one, and I think the rest will be out of the club. And that one is Antoine Semenya, who's one of the players who's out of contract, but we've got an option on it. Yeah. So I think that's fifteen gone. That'll be something between six and eight million in salary that's going out of the club. So so next summer is a massive time, bearing in mind that we've cut our wage bill to below 18 million when it was 30 odd. This is from Steve Lansdowne when they Jeff Twentyman asked him what he thought the cap should be. And he said yeah. 18, 20 million a year and we're down below that already. Yes, he so did. You take another seven or eight million off and we're back down in the sort of salaries that Luton in Millwall uh, uh, their their annual wage bill. So mm. that is going to make a massive difference uh, to the club. The only downside of it is if you look at the players there, um, there's about 20-some-odd million pounds worth of players walking out the door for nothing. Walking out the door for nothing. Yeah. But that's well, the part we just say here? one more thing that we missed completely uh, in on, on this show is yeah. just to say thank you, Nathan Baker, um, yeah. We're so upset that you've had to retire, but we wish you all the health and happiness in, in, in your future career. And yeah. you, you were a warrior on the pitch. You gave everything. And he thank did. you. He did. And that compilation of his tackles, you know, I mean, goodness me, it was uh, it was it was a joy to see that. It was a bit like uh, one that was done of uh, Norman Hunter when he was at Lee. Well, I think I'm playing for us is actually just charging in there. And uh, Nathan would have been in our team now without any shadow of a doubt. So we're sorry to see him go. As I said, we'll be doing a review of the Blackburn game, live recording at six o'clock on Saturday. If you want to join us, we'll be pleased to uh, have your company live. And again, thanks to all the um, people that have been listening in recent weeks. We'll go through 95,000 Downloads, and I think we're going to hit the magic one hundred thousand before the international. Dave, Dave, Dave sorry, Dave, sorry, a nuisance. Can I just give a mention to a friend of mine, Steve Jones, who's uh, I met yesterday. I haven't seen him for a while, and he's off to uh, off to Greece on holiday. Uh, a big fan of the podcast, as is his family. So thanks very much to Steve, Callum, Ellie um, for giving us a listen. And um, yeah, but apart from the rest, oh, and, and just. Uh, check some numbers alex scott and joe williams are both on three yellows at the moment interesting all right seven, one other thing then. One, one final thing i'm sure people know this uh chance for everybody to say uh goodbye to stony garnet on friday um his uh, funeral takes place and uh, i think the reception or the wait is in the south stand concourse so i expect there'll be a lot of people there for uh, that uh, city legend off the field, known by well, every fan, be you 10 years old or 60 plus, but there we go. All right, guys, look, it's great to be reporting on uh, a third 2-0 win in succession at home. We only collect six clean sheets the whole of last season. Uh, this season, we've already done three. It took us to the early part of December to register three home wins. We are on the up and uh, watching Bristol City at the moment 
is it's a joy it's a pleasure to watch the lads but uh, everybody ian mark and neil thanks for your company and everybody's listening thanks again soon all the best yeah, thanks very much everyone bye 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 thanks bye Come on.